The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your podcasts. We are so thrilled that you've taken the time to download our Dawson Tones of the Believe podcast. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, by my co-host, Jamie D'Amico. We took a week off last week to get ourselves back in NFL shape. Uh, I think the week off did us some good. We got to focus on some family and some travel and just get some downtime out there. And Jamie, to quote Mike and Mike, we're back and better than ever. It's great to be here. (laughs) Isn't it though? You know, a week away from you, buddy, it's hard for me. You know, I really, I really struggle when I don't have enough John Boccasino in my life. And I'm sure all the listeners feel exactly the same way. You know, I, I, I try to take the philosophy of absence makes the heart grow fonder. So taking a little bit of time off, maybe you get to appreciate us a little bit more. We've really been crushing it with our content, man. I've enjoyed our summer rundown so far. The overrated, underrated players podcast did extremely well here. The Which Would You Extend Matt Milano or Deion Dawkins podcast got a lot of conversations and a lot of people talking. So it's good to know that what we're doing is is making a mark with the listeners out there. And, uh, you know, Jamie, we're just, we're just here to help. We're just here to do a service of talking about the bills. And it's exciting because... You know, baseball finally opened up uh, Thursday night. Baseball got underway. Uh, the WNBA uh, took place this weekend. The NBA and NHL are kicking off next weekend. So we're slowly starting to see this sports experiment during COVID go from hypothetical to actually being put into place and seeing how it gets executed. Now, I'll be honest, Jamie, we've talked about this before. Of all the four major sports, the NFL and football in general really has the most question marks. The league took some pretty big steps to answer some of those questions. Set the table for our podcast today. What are our listeners going to hear about the NFL and training protocols getting ready for the upcoming training camps? Well, geez, yeah, it's become a reality, right? We are actually going to be heading into training camp, and the NFL has laid out uh, their COVID testing protocols. They have uh, come to an agreement between the league and the NFLPA about how the preseason is going to run, how players can opt out, 
and even what's going to happen with future salary cap situations. Looks like they've been working hard on this, and I'm I'm happy to see it. And it really it begins with the testing protocols in order to even get into training camp, which makes an awful lot of sense, right? Yeah, I mean, as we've seen from all the, you know, the the talk about the importance of testing and and you've got with the NFL what's really important to factor in is the magnitude of what we're talking about. There's roughly 2600 players across the 32 teams in the NFL who need to know the guidance of what's going to happen and and I and I totally get the reservations that a lot of players had when it's like, "Wait a minute, we're less than a week out and we still don't know what these protocols are going to be regarding testing and keeping players safe because, you know, a lot of these players for every Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees making $30 million or more per season, you've got the guys who are like a Jason Kroom and a Levi Wallace and the the players who are just making a paycheck and barely making above the league minimum. How do you contemplate what risk it's worth and how much money you need to pull in to put your life on the line, especially if you've got young kids, if you've got older parents and family members, there's a lot. I don't envy a lot of these players, Jamie, having to weigh the consequences and the pros and cons of, you know, do I come back and put my safety on the line to try to earn a paycheck? And fortunately, they've given the option of players to opt out, whether they're at low risk or high risk. And that's something that we'll get into in a moment because our own uh, editor-in-chief, Matt Warren, put together an article on Friday that really breaks this down well. So it begins with the testing protocols to open training camp. And this is this is where it all starts. And this sounds very intelligent to me, what they're doing here. So the players are going to be tested on the reporting date and have two days of virtual training camp, at which point, Matt writes... They can enter the facility after their test on day four comes back negative. With this, um, it will also include daily COVID-19 testing for two weeks before switching to every other day. Players and team personnel, by the way, who engage in risky behavior that could lead to coronavirus exposures are subject to discipline from the league. And specifically, that means no parties. And I know you were going to drive over to Orchard Park and try to party with some Buffalo Bills. Sorry, John. Man, you're you're just the bearer of bad news out there. You know, I was looking forward to firing up the the grill and getting the RV going into the parking lot and having a a bash with my Bills fans and Bills mafia. But you know, Jamie, in all seriousness, if this is what it takes to get the 2020 version of the NFL off the ground, I am all for it. The testing protocols are the most important linchpin of this agreement. And we've actually already had some of our um, players report to this training camp for Buffalo, the virtual training camp to, to get started. The quarterbacks and the injured players on the team reported this past Thursday. So you're going to have Josh Allen, Matt Barkley, Davis Webb, and Jake Fromm uh, reported along with the injured players while the rest of the veterans will report to camp starting on Tuesday, July 28th. And it's great that they're immediately tested for COVID upon their arrival. They will not be allowed in the actual building at Orchard Park, like you mentioned, until they have passed the protocols of having the two-day virtual training camp if they get that day four test coming back negative. So that means that you're talking about four straight days if any of their players show any of the symptoms 
of the coronavirus? Do they have a sore throat? Do they have a high fever? Do they have a bad cough? Do they have asthma or trouble breathing? Those are really the main symptoms that I'm sure they will be looking for. So the fact that you go through and have four straight days of knowing what your players are going through and if they have any symptoms before they're actually allowed in the building, I think that's really going to help curtail any spread of the virus. And the no party thing, look, the NBA, there was a really funny story that came out um, about how the NBA had sponsored this, like at their bubble in Orlando, they had like a DJ and a poolside party. And the only player that showed up was Dwight Howard. And it was kind of a, a lonely island type feeling out there where people were just staying away. You know, they're getting their Postmates food delivery. They're staying in the bubble. With the NFL, I really think the players are going to see what the NBA has gone through and Major League Baseball and realize just how serious this is. And I hope that they, they take this no party subject very seriously. Absolutely. And it's the kind of thing where you can't avoid contact and close contact with people on on an on a football field. You know, it's the the name of the game, right? It's physical contact. So they, I I think that they're probably going to um, have it very driven into their head that they've got to be safe because the people that they're, as they always say, going to war with day in and day out, especially on Sundays. You know, they they need to be taking care of each other and. That that's something that I think players in the NFL take take seriously. Now, uh, getting into the the second phase of this is the ramp up period that they're having. They have a ramp up period of twenty days to get back into football shape, since many were training on their own without gyms and coaches this off season. Writes Matt Warren. Uh, there will be only fourteen padded practices, and here's a big thing. There will be no preseason games in 2020. How do you feel about that? I honestly, Jamie, when they were coming through it, it was funny how quickly the situation evolved. You know, we all look training camp and preseason games. There's pros and cons to it. And a lot of people they're going to miss out on a chance to make an impact with the preseason are your undrafted rookie free agents, your guys fighting to make the 53 man roster or make an impression. But this year, especially I see no reason to have the preseason games. You know, they don't count for the standings. It's a chance you're taking to further spread the coronavirus amongst your team and the fellow teams you're competing against. And this has to be a bare bones situation when it comes to the NFL. Preseason games are a luxury that we just don't need to have this year in 2020. And it's going to put the onus on a lot of these players to make an impression in other ways, but that's how it is this year. And, and, and 2020 is not fair. And none of us want to be in this position where we're worried about the spread of this novel coronavirus. But if that's one of the safeguards they can take to not have preseason games in place, I'm perfectly fine with that safeguard. How about yourself? I, I assume you're, you're not going to miss too much of the, uh, especially my gosh. I mean, the fourth preseason game and from a fan perspective, it's fun to watch guys who are fighting for a roster spot, but you're not seeing any of your big name guys see the field. You know, I, I, I'm not going to miss the preseason games myself, but it is going to have an effect on, on the teams and on the players. Um, first and foremost, you know, there's always the players that are far better in games than they are in practice. And they're usually the, the fringy players on the roster where, you know, they, they might have a chance to to make it by looking good in a couple of the preseason games. They're not going to have that opportunity, but uh, we'll speak more about that when we get into the adjustments to the practice squad. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Now, where I think it's going to affect us as the viewer, I think that you're going to see some sloppy football for the first month of the season, to be 100% honest with you. Um, you see it in preseason when, where teams are, uh, you know, they're they're not clicking on all cylinders yet. They're they're getting back into the, the flow of things. There's always a lot of penalties. And I, I think that that's what we're going to see in NFL games. It's not going to be as crisp as we normally see it. Fortunately, by the middle of the season, all the, all of those kinks work themselves out. Um, but what are, what are your thoughts there? Do, do you think it's going to have a lasting effect on the play that we see on the field? Yeah. So, Jamie, I want to I'm glad you brought this up um, because there is definitely going to be some lasting impacts and effects that we're all going to witness uh, from watching football in 2020. Um, there's another podcast, a national podcast that I listened to that had J.C. Treader, who's of the Cleveland Browns. He's their starting center. He's president of the NFL Players Association. And he was mentioning how you're going to see a lot more soft tissue injuries. You're going to see a lot more hamstring pulls. Uh, he was saying that when we had the lockout, there were the, na- the labor negotiations that had pushed back uh, training camps a little bit and it really had affected the amount of time that teams had to practice and get ready for the season. That year, the stats he quoted were kind of troubling. There was a 25% spike in soft tissue injuries. There was a 40% increase in hamstring injuries. We saw twice as many Achilles injuries for players because they just didn't have bad. Yeah. Those are, I mean, that should scare a lot of, of bills fans and football fans in general. The fact that you could have players getting hurt way more often on plays that don't look like anything serious really happened, non-contact plays, you know, somebody just running and trying to chase after someone and their hamstring gives out. It's, it's going to be a different kind of football. That's why it's been so important to hear what players have been doing with their time, because if they've been now granted, you can't replicate the physicality of football. If you're not actually playing in a game or doing a hard hitting scrimmage, but as long as these players have been practicing their strength and conditioning and have been working with their trainers and people to really get their bodies in tip-top shape, they can have some impact, I feel, on cutting down those injuries. But for the most part, you're going to see a lot more injuries, I feel like, this year, again, especially of the soft tissue variety. And that, to me, if that's, again, another one of the risks we have to, to take 
when it comes to getting this football season off the ground, because, you know, you're talking about, you mentioned the general ramp up period um, and really the first day of practice where practices can begin. There's only going to be 14 total padded practice dates uh, coming, coming up this year, which is far less than what you normally would have. Um, We're talking about if everything goes according to plan, August 12th, can be the very first day that practices start during this gradual ramp up period. That's 15 days leading up to it of the testing, the virtual training, um, the acclimation period with strength and conditioning coaches and walkthroughs, you know, the most that these players can work out during the first 16 days before practices start is one solid hour in the weight room and one hour of on-field conditioning. So this is going to be an adjustment period across the board. And you're right, the football quality could definitely suffer once the season begins. But I would still make the argument that a less quality product of football is still better than no football at all. Well, I, I agree with that. And, you know, hopefully the training staffs out there are really doing their homework and trying to figure out the best ways of ramping these players up. So hopefully they can avoid some of those injuries. But you see it every year. The players who report to camp late always end up with a soft tissue injury, a muscle pull, hamstring, something like that. It, it's It seems inevitable. And it looks like we're, we're setting players up for that. Now, um, there's an interesting aspect of the agreement that the NFLPA came to with the owners, um, and, and that is in regard to opting out. Now, check this out. If low-risk players opt out of playing in 2020, they will receive a $150,000 advance for the 2020 season, then play out the remainder of their contract. And uh, Matt Warren also writes that uh, Laurent Tardif is the first player to opt out. He's the starting right guard for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a medical doctor. He wants to help COVID patients instead of play. Pretty awesome, right? That's a noble, noble player out there. Yeah, we were talking off the air about Laurent uh, Tardif and what he's doing and the fact that he did opt out to go focus on giving back to, you know, to these high risk people who might come down with COVID. Like it's his story is fantastic. If you don't want to pull for, um, if you want to pull for a non Buffalo bill, definitely pull for this guy because he's an incredibly smart person. He spent the whole off season working with COVID-19 patients. Apparently he's back in Quebec right now. He's from Canada. Originally he went to school up in McGill university in Canada and he's working with long-term uh, care facility patients uh, in Quebec, trying to get them back on track and getting an upper hand against this COVID-19 struggle. So his story is commendable, and he's the first, like you said, to opt out of this. Jamie, what about some of the high-risk players? And we talked about the high-risk. We kind of teased this earlier, but um, you know, high-risk, uh, the CDC has come out with their increased risk guidelines for players who are considered you know, high-risk for this and it's underlying medical conditions, uh, people that have obviously, you know, forms of you know, cancer, kidney, de- kidney disease, uh, type 2 diabetes. Um, there's other things that are a little bit less severe, though, that might make you more of a risk, including asthma, um, hypertension or high blood pressure, and liver disease. So there's a lot of conditions out there. What has the league done to broker an opt-out for the high-risk players? 
So the high-risk players can opt out and still receive a $350,000 stipend and earned in accrued season, which means that puts them closer to free agency, which is something most players like. Uh, now, the the one CDC guideline that they're not taking into account here is a high body mass index. So a high BMI puts people at risk um, for a variety of health issues, but they're not doing that with the NFL because most of the players are above the recommended BMI because they're huge people. <laughs> That's just <laughs> how that goes. Um, so I, I, I think that what they're doing is it, that sounds more than generous, doesn't it? $350,000 for staying at home. Yeah, that, that, that to me, what I like about what the NFL is doing is, okay, first of all, you and I would kill to get $150,000 to stay home and just stay safe. Like that's an awesome right. compensation. This shows the strength that the Players Association and their union has in negotiating because you take America's most popular sport, makes billionaires out of all of their owners, and you're basically saying, all right, well, we want to find a way to make this work to get back on the field this year, but we're not going to force our players to play if they don't feel safe. So here's a compromise where they can get this one year off, still earn their money, then play out the remainder of their contract. I think it's a win-win. I think you're going to see more players having an easier time making the decision because they at least know they have some money coming their way. Now, baseball is a different story altogether because those contracts are all guaranteed. So when Buster Posey opts out this year and he's getting $22 million you know, guaranteed, that's an anomaly versus the uh, the norm out here. I think a lot of these players who are making the league minimum, it's 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 going to be a difficult decision, I think, to make. But at least they know that they're going to have some financial stability, whether they play or not. And realistically, the league minimum, we talk about them as, you know, scraping by. They're making so much more money than we do. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's insane. Um, but, you know, getting back to um, to how the rosters are going to shape up, that is kind of the next thing that this article um, points out. And there's going to be two options for roster cuts. Uh, option one is an earlier cut down day in 2020 with rosters trimmed from a maximum of 90 to 80 players immediately. And the Bills currently sit in the mid-80s. This is to provide a little more space in the locker room and reduce exposure. The second option is to run split practices with one group in one area, such as the stadium and another group elsewhere on a practice field. Um, And the, the two groups are all intermixed. Uh, If they choose option two, the cut down from 90 to 80 needs to take place on August 16th, which is quite a bit earlier than it was last year. It is. It's earlier than 2019, but it's also, like we said earlier, that's the August 16th. If everything goes according to plan, that is the first day of these practices, not the ramped up practice, but the actual I'm sorry, August 17th is when padded practices begin. So you're talking about the day before padded practices, full practice sessions, getting your roster down to 80 players. The last I checked, Jamie, our roster for the Bills was currently at 88. So you're talking about eight players getting trimmed down by the August 16th deadline. Or you have an option of teams that want to use more than 80 players at the start of practice would mention that split squad sessions like you had talked about before. I have no problem bumping up the cut deadline. You know, I'm sorry. This is an abnormal year. 
you know, players who need to make that impression. It's, it's either you, you sink or swim under the setup here. Right. It, it's it's not business as usual, but here's the thing. There's got to be at least eight players on the roster that they know right now have no chance of making the team no matter what they do. It's, it's not going to be a problem. Uh, but to help those players that may be more on the fringe um, and, you know, also to, as Warren writes, to combat the worry of having players unavailable to play in the event of quarantine, there will be six additional practice squad spots in 2020, and those six players don't have accrued season restrictions. So, uh, typically seen as a way to develop young players, now the practice squad has an additional purpose of keeping players in your system and ready to be called up at a moment's notice. And to enhance that, Four players on the practice squad will be protected each week and unable to sign with another team. The way the past practice squads have worked is those players could sign with another team if they were going to be put immediately on that team's active roster. And you've seen the Bills kind of do that through the years, pick up some players that help like Mark Campbell, the tight end. Um, What are your thoughts on the expanded practice squad? Do you think that's helpful? I do. I do. I think it definitely makes sense. And here's here's my reason for why it makes sense. You're going to have, again, we mentioned more injuries. You want to be able to field a competitive team week in and week out, being able to call up these players from the practice squad where you can have you know two of the practice squad players can be activated each week to the roster, effectively expanding the rosters to 55 active players. You're going to need safeguards against these injuries. And another thing too, that has to be considered. It's great that they're protecting players from being poached. You get four players on the squad could be designated as your protected players who will not be poached by another team on a weekly basis. But another reason why the practice squad expansion makes sense, Jamie, you can't work out free agents right now. You can't work out free agents during training camp. So let's say every year there's always those surprise cuts where a veteran offensive lineman gets on the chopping block or a lawyer Malloy for the Buffalo Bills back in the day gets cut by the Patriots. Bills scoop him up and he plays week one and they blank the Patriots 31 to nothing in one of the greatest games I've ever been to as a fan. <laughs> yeah. Watching Tom Brady get spanked it was glorious and who knew how bad things were going to come uh, in the matchups to come in the road with that rivalry. But um, that you're not going to see that this year. You're not going to see someone get cut before the season starts and get worked out by another team. So you, the only solution to that is to have these expanded rosters. I think this is a great uh, policy to put in place. I almost wonder if this is something that they should keep permanently. Um, due to the lack of a minor league system, this could sort of function as that, Get getting the players into systems and maybe developing. Maybe you would see more um, more raw players that aren't necessarily going to be called up in the, or have any chance of playing in the next year or two, but maybe, maybe they're the kinds of players, maybe the Ryan Bates of the world could develop. I, I don't know. That might not be a bad thing. So I would, I would have no problem, Jamie, if this was a permanent solution to expand the practice squad size. I think it doesn't hurt at all. I think that why not, you know, here's the fun, the funny thing about football, other sports that have minor leagues have smaller rosters and, and fewer injuries. You look at baseball, they have teams all the way down to class a ball through triple a that a team can draw upon during the course of a season. Why not give a violent sport like football 
more people to choose from for a team when they're in an injury bind by having a, a bigger practice squad. It makes all the sense in the world. It, it does. And now it's more expensive to keep a football player on a roster than it is a, a basketball player, but we're only talking about six additional roster spots. So it to me, it makes all kinds of sense. Now, here's where, um, to use a cliche, the rubber hits the road because this is where things are are about to get very strange for the league, the salary cap. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Run through our listeners, if you could, the the changes right now that we're looking about, the economic impact, because the NFL, as much as the owners are billionaires, they're not immune to losing the financial profits that everyone else is who has a business in America is going to see because times are really tough right now. Yeah. First of all, if a game is canceled, the players aren't getting paid. And you know why? It's because the owners don't get paid if there's no football. So um, the salary cap itself is currently at 193 million, and that's going to stay uh, stay in place for 2021. However, uh, the cap is based on league revenues, and they're expecting the revenues to drop quite a bit um, in, in the 2020 season, but they have agreed that the salary cap will go no lower than 175 million in 2021. And then whatever shortfall there is as a result of that, it's going to be made up in subsequent seasons in 2022 through 2024. So in those three seasons, they're going to spread out the, the loss in revenue and how it affects the salary cap. That's a smart move. And I feel bad for some of these players that are going to, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at becoming free agents, perhaps striking it big like Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano. Smaller salary caps are really going to take uh, take some options away from them. But, man, I think they've worked out a good deal here. Yeah, when you factor in uh, the projections I'm reading, say that there's going to be a roughly $4 billion shortfall in revenue this year <sighs> because of no fans in the stands. That's right, $4 billion in shortfall. You can't just make that up by adding another playoff team. This is going to be a creative crunch that a lot of these owners are going to have to face with their financial futures and losing this revenue. Now, granted, all of these people, the Pagulas included, it's a drop in the bucket with the money that they're they're losing, but it's definitely going to have an impact on the way that the salary is uh, is set up. And even though they are smoothing out this process, the revenue that's lost from this year can be spread out over four years. You're right, Jamie. This is going to have long lasting ramifications. And with our Buffalo Bills, for example, right now with the cap, the bills are roughly nineteen point three million dollars under the cap, and any unused cap space can be rolled over into twenty twenty one. If you look at the 2021 financials, the Bills currently have $177 million on the books, according to SpotTrack.com. If the Bills have to face a cap of 175 going for the ceiling that they're talking about, I'm sorry, the floor that they're talking about with next year's cap being 175 at the lowest, that means the Bills are going to have to make some very difficult decisions, part ways with some veterans who likely would have been key contributors. And I just don't know what this is going to do for Tredavious White and Josh Allen and Deion Dawkins and Matt Milano, those major contract extensions. I, I can, can you ask a superstar like Trey White to take less because of the pandemic? I, I, I just, I find this really curious how it's all going to play out. And unfortunately I have a bad feeling that 
in addition to the rising cost of what a cornerback makes on the open market, this is going to make Brandon Bean's job that much more difficult trying to come up with a negotiation term to bring back Trey White long term. It's going to take some incredible creativity by capologists all around the league. And perhaps what you're going to see as the result of it is longer contracts. So when the salary cap starts marching its way back up, the players make more. But then if you're a player, you have to say, well, I don't even know if they're going to keep me that long. So, you know, guaranteed money, maybe we're going to see more of that. Um, But the Buffalo Bills, despite being at $177 million for uh, next year's salary cap, they have the second most players under contract for next season at 60 players. So that's actually really good. I, I mean, they're they're actually in a pretty good spot there. I think, and I'm just speculating here, but I think that you're going to see players that are otherwise backups that are maybe making a little bit more money, maybe the Tyan Seckies and the Spencer Longs are going to be cut so they can roll more money over into next year's uh, salary cap. Uh, wh- what do you think about that? Do you, you think we're going to see more veterans let go? Yeah, and that'll, that's a great segue. We'll talk about this one down the road about the veterans who could and possibly should be cut, especially now with how prudent teams have to be with their cap space. But I could, I totally agree, Jamie. You could see a Tyler Croft get restructured or get released, and then Shecky and a Spencer Long get released. I, the more this goes on, I think I'm still convinced that Trent Murphy is going to be on the roster uh, for for 2020. But the teams are going to have to get creative with with their revenues and how they're spreading out their money for for their players. Now, I, I do agree there will be cuts. You will see more money get restructured. But before you go feeling too bad for these owners having to come up with a way to solve their financial situations, there's another solution down the road, too, that could restore much of this lost revenue. And it comes in the form of a new television deal or if the league adds a 17th regular season game, which will be allowed in 2021. And we've all heard the rumblings of more playoff teams getting added. If any one of those factors comes true, the league is going to be flush with more cash coming in from either ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBC, maybe even Amazon gets involved in the tele- in the uh, in the streaming rights out here. So money is going to be coming in for these owners. And this, I, my prediction is this is a temporary shortfall and we're not going to see the cap back at 175 moving forward. It's going to spike with this injection of revenue. Uh, one can only hope because, you know... You don't want to see massive player movement in any one specific offseason. It can be it can be exciting, but when you have young and excellent players that are becoming free agents that you really want back, like the Buffalo Bills do, you just you don't want to see you don't want to see players jetting from one team to another. You like to see the consistency, and I like what the Bills have built so far. So I, I want to see where this goes as opposed to having to you know shuffle players in and out. Anyway, we live in some strange times right now, don't we, buddy? Oh, man, what a long, strange trip 2020 has been, and it's only going to get a little bit more murky, I feel like, as we get ready for the start of the season. But the good news is the Bills are getting ready to report for training camp. It's not going to be at St. John Fisher uh, in suburban Rochester. It's going to be at their training facilities in Orchard Park starting on Tuesday. 
We try to bring you the latest and greatest Buffalo Bills news each and every week on Believe. As we currently sit here, we are less than 45 days from the start of the Buffalo Bills 2020 campaign. You can, of course, get all of your Buffalo Bills news here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Jamie, great idea breaking down the COVID protocols, and uh, you really brought it today. Good job, buddy. Oh, hey, thanks, man. I, I've been practicing all week. Well, well if if you want to test jamie on his covid knowledge of the training protocols or you want to get involved with our podcast please do we love our fan interactions you can get involved a couple of different ways on twitter Uh, you can follow jamie at the jamie d'amico i am at john boccasino you can also get involved at buff rumblings you can comment on our stories that'll appear uh every sunday on buffalorumblings.com and uh, we welcome that interaction so Jamie, for the time being, we're going to sign off here on Bill Lee, but we'll be back next week talking more Buffalo Bills football.